Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome as we head into the last weekend of 2023. The Friday morning papers are all abuzz. Another state decided to rip Trump off the ballot. The New York Times headline, Maine decides Trump isn't fit for its primary. Well, it's not Maine. It's Maine's top election official, the Secretary of State, Shanna Bellows. Uh, they, they take a great bit of time here, several paragraphs before they note, she's a Democrat. Now, you could have put that in the headline, Democrat rips Trump off ballot and an elected Democrat. But, oh, here's the interesting part. The Secretary of State in Maine is not elected by the people, as it is in many states, like in Wisconsin. Uh, in, in Maine, they are elected by this, a joint session of the state legislature. Uh, but still, an elected Democrat uh, deciding that they're going to take Trump off the ballot. And uh, Twitter has got these pictures of Shanna Bellows jogging in a T-shirt that says Democracy Defender. Yeah, right. Uh, today's program is, uh, of course, brought to you by all the donors of the MRC, mrc.org slash donate. Um, we are uh, kind of run through some of the weirdest, wackiest, nuttiest quotes of 2023. Uh, Jeffrey Dickens has been putting these up on Newsbusters. Uh, we made a certain amount of categories, uh, but then we isolate what we call the quote of the year. We call, now call it the Brian Stelter Memorial Award because, you know, Brian Stelter wrote a nasty anti-Fox book again this year uh, and, you know, made the tour just like everybody does. Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Cassidy Hutchinson, et cetera. When you, when you do a, a nasty anti-Trump book, you're the toast of the town. Uh, the winner of the quote of the year was Joe Scarborough. Now, there's many things he says morning by morning that would compete. So when it comes to MSNBC, you have to get to a really egregious level. It's so egregious, you look up egregious in the dictionary. Uh, but... Uh, uh, it's one thing, you know, everybody out there, all the cool kids on cable news are warning of what a second Trump term would be like. Well, Joe Scarborough's gone above and beyond in insanity, started talking about how Trump will execute as many people as he can. Listen to some of this. He will do he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed to imprison, execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Just look at his past. It's not really hard to read. The only, again, the only thing that stood between him and the destruction of American democracy was the federal judiciary. Nobody fears the so-called independent fact-checkers. Now, you can't fact-check a prediction of the future, but this is pretty weird. Now, I remember back in 1992 when the fact-checking was just getting started. 
they were upset about how George W. Bush said things about Michael Dukakis in 1988 that weren't sufficiently rebutted. Uh, you know, they had those Willie Horton ads. Well, the Bush campaign didn't make Willie Horton ads, but conservatives did. They didn't like the fact that Michael Dukakis sent murderers out on weekend furloughs. <laughs> you know, that was factual. Uh, that he stabbed a gas station attendant like 37 times was factual. But let's let him out for the weekend. Uh, anyway, in 92, uh, they would all do these things. Reality check. Bill Clinton will not raise your taxes, like George Bush says. And, of course, Clinton was elected and raised taxes. Not on everybody, uh, but he raised taxes. Biggest tax increase in American history at that point. And they had presented uh, Clinton as, you know, a conservative Democrat, which is comical now. Uh, anyway, uh, the execution talk was not limited to Joe Scarborough. In fact, his MSNBC colleague, Rachel Maddow, showed up on The View. How cozy is that? Nobody fears that Anna Navarro is going to be tough on Rachel Maddow. Uh, but Rachel Maddow started talking about Trump wants to put MS MSNBC on trial for treason so that he can execute us. What crystal ball are they look in, looking into? It sounds more like a crystal meth ball. Listen to this. I mean, the Republican Party right now has to make a decision, and it's their decision to make. We have party processes for a reason, but... Ultimately, if you listen to what Trump is saying, you don't just re sort of regard him as a um, as a spectacle, but you li listen to what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's basically portraying a future for America if he is put back in the White House, in which we don't have another election after yeah, that. That's ever. Right. Because the elections are all rigged, that the democratic process can't be yep. trusted, that Congress should just work for him, the Justice Department should just work for him. That's a strong man form of government. That's go not what we it. have. He canceled the news, like the right. news are done. That yeah. he wants to put MSNBC on trial for treason so yeah. that he can execute us. I mean, this is... And this he will is, put Rudy Giuliani on the Supreme Court. If he makes it that long, yeah. sure. Speaking of MSNBC hosts, we have this tendency to give one host their entire own category. It might have used to have been Olbermann or Chris Matthews. Now it's Joy Reid. There's just something about that 7 p.m. slot where they just get especially crazy. Uh, and uh, Joy Reid, once again, on almost a nightly basis, is saying something about the Republicans that is wild and woolly. Uh, the winner in this category was uh, a brief statement. You can't even say slavery was bad now in the Republican Party. That's how far it's gone. This was in July. Now there's somebody going, but wait, Tim. Nikki Haley thought you couldn't say slavery was bad or that slavery wasn't the cause of the Civil War. Maybe Joy Reid was right. <laughs> Everybody should be free to say slavery was bad. Riots are bad. You know, terrorism, bad. Executing MSNBC hosts, bad. Uh, but it's just this, uh, uh, you know, you, you almost feel sad for Nikki Haley. It's like, you're in New Hampshire. You're not in Alabama. What are you afraid of? Uh, you know, that was it was just such a weird thing for her to say. 
and then she tried to say, well, it was a Democrat plant. Well, I don't think the question itself was inherently nasty. What is the cause of the Civil War? Uh, now, that's a very open-ended question, and you might argue not exactly relevant in 2023. Uh, but, uh, you know, history has been one of those concepts this year. They don't like the idea that we would question the history that's being taught to our children. Uh, now, Joy Reid, on the other hand, after being very nasty about the Republicans, uh, is very, very defensive about Joe Biden. Uh, he's Joey from Scranton, who likes ice cream. This was in September. Joy said, Biden has lived practically his entire adult life in the public eye. This impeachment inquiry is Republicans trying to rewrite history because they don't like the current reality. They're trying to gaslight you into believing a guy who was once mocked for being one of the poorest guys in the Senate hatched some sort of nefarious decades-long campaign to fatten the Biden family coffers without a single journalist noticing. I mean, how could we have missed it? Comedy. Uh, first of all, Biden may have been one of the poorer senators when he began in the 1970s. All of the impeachable stuff that we're talking about started happening when he became vice president of the United States in the 20-teens. Uh, that's that's the time slot we're talking about. And after he left the vice presidency in 2017, uh, the Bidens started making a good amount of money, uh, at, you know, as politicians often do once you think you're retiring. I mean, I maybe the Bidens thought they were retiring uh, or maybe he thought he had another run in him, but they acted like they were not running for anything again the way they were making money. Certainly, if you look at all the behavior of the Bidens, during the Trump presidency, yeah, they were making money hand over fist. So you have to laugh at the idea that Joy Reid would say, he made all this money without journalists noticing. Well, yeah, that's basically true because, one, they all gathered he wasn't running again, so they weren't doing a ton of stories about it. And once it became a story, they said it had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Uh, you know, they're still not really digging into Joe Biden's money. They're all running around merely saying what they're not willing to investigate. There's no evidence Biden benefited from Hunter's business. Well, first of all, if Hunter Biden's making a ton of money off Joe and his brother James is making a ton of money off Joe, et cetera, et cetera, it doesn't matter in terms of the bribery statutes and whatever, if he's not getting a cut, even though one of the memos said 10% for the big guy. They didn't want to do anything about that. They didn't want to investigate that. They didn't want to investigate Hunter Biden texting about how he's paying half of his dad's bills. Well, what does that mean? Well, they, you know, what they will obviously say if you scratch them is Hunter was on crack. You can't trust anything he says, at least not back then. In other categories, let's go back to an old reliable from March. This seems like it was forever ago. The craziest analysis award we gave to former CNN host Don Lemon, who was never happy when he was moved to the morning slot. He clearly considered it a demotion. He had a show by his own. 
Then they put him with two women. Uh, he felt demoted. Uh, well, he upset these women on this day because the topic was Nikki Haley. He said, she's not in her prime. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that, I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking, not wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime so for what? I, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. We thought that might be the beginning of the end. I think it was. Because obviously he wouldn't say Hillary Clinton no longer in her prime. If you could find Don Lemon saying that, that would have really gotten you fired probably. Then there's our uh, Jihadist Journalism Award for helping Hamas. This should not be an award. We shouldn't have a category where journalists offer rhetorical support for terrorists. But what are you going to do? The winner in this case was a, a CBS reporter named Mtaz Tayab, who seems to think Hamas has got a lot of spunk. Listen to this. You know, Vlad, over the years, I've made frequent trips to Gaza and have spoken with several Hamas leaders. And, you know, they know their military capabilities are no match for Israel's enormous firepower. But what they lack in firepower, they make up for in ideology and sheer determination. That resolve, despite the odds, may be what caught Israel so off guard. Their resolve kept Israel off guard. I, I don't think that Israel, I mean, obviously they were caught off guard, but I, I don't think they had any mistakes here in understanding who Hamas is. If anybody had a mistake about who Hamas is, it was the press, because they've always sort of tried to pretend this is not a terrorist group and that somehow the Palestinian territories uh, represented a, le a legitimate government. Uh, they, they, you know, nobody in the West demanded that uh, that Hamas actually hold elections in Gaza. They don't, you know, because they're the oppressed. So I guess they can be oppressors as much as they want. Uh, then there was this whole weird line about them finding beheaded babies, uh, and we had journalists who are trying to somehow suggest that this was something we should question. Los Angeles Times investigative reporter Adam Elmarek tweeted, the only source for, quote, Hamas beheaded babies, unquote, appears to be the Israeli military, which is widely known to spread lies and disinformation. Journalists, this is the fog of war. You'll be seeing all sorts of claims. Don't amplify unverified sensational info. Yes, this thing on Twitter was compounded by a, a, a feature writer for New York Magazine named Eric Levitz. Um, he, he knows that, you know, babies were found beheaded, but he has to get all technical. Last night I asserted this report indicated that babies were beheaded. This was an overstatement. I should have said the report established that babies were found headless, a fact that lends plausibility to claims of beheading, but which does not prove them. The verb behead has multiple definitions and is sometimes used to mean decapitate. The report indicates 
that Hamas did behead babies in that sense, but the term can also connote a form of execution using a knife, and we do not have confirmation of beheading in that sense. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> Hamas beheaded babies, and now we're going to get all technical, like PolitiFact, and try to somehow make this, well, this looks like it's reality, but we should really get into the dictionary and say, maybe under the definition 3B, this isn't exactly what it looks like. Also in this category, a reporter from CNN International, Nada Bashir. This is one of those trends that actually does annoy me, the way that traditionally anti-Israel, anti-Zionist groupings like Amnesty International, like the United Nations, can be marshaled against Israel, and they're described in the most noble words that you can find. So Nada Bashir says, of course, we've heard from regional voices. We've heard from international rights groups and human rights organizations who have said while this, while this attack was deplorable and deeply unprecedented, it did not happen in a vacuum. This has come after decades of what Hamas and other Palestinians view to be occupation of Palestinian territory. It comes after decades of violation of Palestinian rights and dec decades of which is where the rights groups and UN human rights experts have characterized as policies and practices which amount to apartheid. This is CNN International just spouting Hamas talking points and, and citing agencies that also recirculate Hamas talking points like the UN. From there, we go to damning Florida's dictator award because there was a rich vein of anti-DeSantis material this year. You know, obviously, Trump is far ahead. Trump is also far ahead in, uh, in hatred, perhaps, because he's going to execute people. Here we go again with talk of extermination. Now, here's the surprise. Jonathan Capehart, who's a weekend host on MSNBC, brings the MSNBC spirit into the PBS NewsHour. They have this Friday night week in review section with Capehart and New York Times columnist David Brooks, who a very long time ago was a conservative and then became a John McCain guy and then became deeply in love with Barack Obama and the crease in his pants. You can just Google that. David Brooks, crease in his pants. Uh, just thought he was, he was a snappy dresser and a snappy human being all around. Capehart starts talking about how they decided to teach uh, black history in Florida public schools. And, of course, he has to end with the whole idea that what the Republican governor is signaling is that black people are inferior and therefore worthy of extermination. Like a cockroach. Listen to this. We can't talk about Jacksonville without talking about the political environment around black people and particularly around black history in Florida. There is a reason Governor DeSantis was booed when he did the right thing by going to the community, but the community booed him for a reason. 
his so-called anti-woke legislation, what's happening with the teaching of black history in, in uh, Florida public schools, that sends a message not only to the black community that the governor does not think much of you or your history or your contributions to this country, but it also sends a signal to those people, deranged or not, who believe that black people are inferior and therefore are worthy of extermination. Now, we have a tendency to focus on video quotes because they are more popular with the readers. Uh, doing print bias is for a good of the order thing a lot of the time. Um, but in this category, really nasty piece by two AP reporters named Steve Peoples and Brendan Farrington. Now, there was a... Uh, a, a shooting in Jacksonville or racist killings in Jacksonville, which, of course, they're all going to decide, well, DeSantis did that with his rhetoric. Uh, AP, quote-unquote, reported, Ron DeSantis scoffed when the NAACP issued a travel advisory this spring warning black people to use, quote-unquote, extreme care if traveling to Florida. The leading civil rights group argued that the state's loose gun laws and the Republican governor's anti-woke campaign to deny the existence of systemic racism created a culture of open hostility toward African Americans and people of color. Just three months later, DeSantis is leading his state through the aftermath of a racist attack that left three African Americans dead. Yes, always blame the Republicans for crimes they did not commit. But this award was named Florida's dictator because there was a, a, a rich vein of that. Michael Beschloss on the Ali Velshi show on MSNBC. DeSantis was known as sort of a nondescript political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into a local Mussolini in Florida. With the book banning and the brutal tactics, this is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. That's what he thinks is going to work in that party. And in a way, that's the scariest thing of all. As we always point out, trying to say that we don't need a graphic novel with oral sex in it in the library of a middle school, they call that book banning. Well, we all know what they're really talking about is we want the graphic sexual material in the middle school library, and we don't want you taking it out. What we don't want in the library are books that are, uh, you know, insensitive to transgenders. Uh, you know, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, for example. Try going into Florida school libraries and see if they stock that. You know, the fact of the matter is what the liberals really mean here is let the librarians stock what they want, what they decide to include and what they decide to exclude. And whatever librarians exclude is not book banning. It's just glorious editorial control. Then there's Chris Hayes. Boy, MSNBC's all over here. Same thing. He's Mussolini and Stalin. Chris Hayes in May. The discussion about the threat of authoritarianism can feel sometimes a little remote or academic. That word has a certain kind of historical timber with it. 
We associate it with like stern historical figures like Stalin or Mussolini that can make it hard to look at Mr. Pudding Fingers yucking it up in the campaign trail in Iowa and see an authoritarian. That's kind of Trumpy. The Trump people love making this point that Ron DeSantis was once caught eating a snack pack of pudding with his fingers. You know, I guess Amy Klobuchar could eat a salad with a comb. They're not making fun of that on MSNBC. Uh, Hayes concluded, the policies he has enacted in Florida are the opposite of freedom. Now, that's not what the, the voters of Florida thought. They thought DeSantis represented freedom under COVID lockdowns. The freedom did not get a vaccine and lots of other freedoms. But as we know, liberals tend to define freedom as the freedom to be left wing. If, if the left wingers are inhibited in any way, freedom has been abused. If you can't get gender affirming care, quote unquote, when you're eight, it's not a free country. All right, there is some categories as of this taping, uh, which uh, are not on the website yet. We're going to break into it anyway, just because for the historical record, or in this case, the hysterical record. The Praising and Protecting Old Joe Award, well, it was pretty easy here just to go to after a State of the Union address. Maybe that's easy peasy. Uh, but this is when they really feel the need to lay it on thick. Once again, Michael Beschloss who's comparing DeSantis to a local Mussolini, says, that was a wonderful speech. Didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? Yes, Joe Biden is Mr. Smooth. He was elegant. He was civilized. He was conciliatory. He was reasonable. And maybe most of all, he sounded like a centrist, which is exactly where he wants to be. Biden's speech was quite mild and almost lovable with a lot of proposals that a lot of people are going to like. That whole thing sounds like a commercial. It's the new Joe Biden. He's smooth, elegant, civilized, and a centrist. He's what you want. He's the pick to click in 2024. We also have the cursing the conservative court award. The Supreme Court stuffed with conservatives now. Therefore, we need to rip it down. And they always do this, too, where they say, the legitimacy of the court has come into question. Yeah, it's because the liberal media hates it now. If you had a six to three liberal court, they would be the finest group of scholars you could ever find. Six Mr. and Ms. Smooths. Uh, but uh, in this case... The winner was, gosh, there's a lot of MSNBC. Actually, this isn't MSNBC, but it's a regular. Ellie Mistal of The Nation. Uh, we found this on the Roland Martin Unfiltered podcast. This must have made its way to Twitter. We're not in the usual habit of watching Roland Martin's podcast. We made a lot of fun of Roland when he was on CNN, when he was kissing up to the Obamas on a regular basis. Ellie Mistal, in this case is ripping John Roberts, not Kavanaugh, not Amy Cody Barrett, John Roberts. He says, make no mistake, John Roberts has been an enemy of black people voting for his entire legal career. Indeed, his first job after he finished clerking was to work for the Reagan White House, arguing against an expansion of the Voting Rights Act that was eventually pushed through. 
that was conceived by the late Lonnie Guineer that was so popular even Ronald Reagan had to sign that expansion of the Voting Rights Act. These are bedrock American principles that even Republicans agree with, but not John Roberts. John Roberts has been an enemy on voting rights for his entire life. This is one of those things that's really obnoxious about the Voting Rights Act because what it really is about a lot of times and what they're challenging is the whole notion that you have to have majority-minority districts, that you have to redistrict in such a way that uh, you, know, you gerrymander things in such a way that, that there's sufficient black representation in legislatures. And I, the question we always ask when it comes to the voting rights issue is at what point in the 21st century do we somehow acknowledge that, that the United States of America isn't the same as the way it was in the segregated you know, not a 20th century? Since these things were passed in the, in the 1960s, you could say, uh, you know, the, the South was deeply racist in the 60s. Well, where are we now? But see, one of the reasons the left has to just sell this narrative of systemic racism is that's where they think the black power comes from, or at least black leftist power. We also know that they hate black power when it's Clarence Thomas. He didn't say Clarence Thomas is an enemy of black people voting, but he probably wanted to. Uh, finally, the uh, we had a category for the uh, Celebrity Freakout Award. This one was actually not a difficult one to pick. Once again, it came from The View, where Jane Fonda suggests that the obvious solution for all this pro-life activism is to murder some of them. Listen to this. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. Yeah. I think the women will rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking. Yeah. And, 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 and she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But we're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well, it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous... <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run with it. Yeah, that's the worst. She's joking. just kidding. It's... Well, let me talk to you about... <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism, which is yeah. legendary. Ah, yes. Democracy in action. When a court decision doesn't go your way, let's execute some people. This kind of takes us all the way back around to Joe Scarborough. Don't elect Jane Fonda. She'll murder the anti-abortion people. <laughs> Nobody's going to elect Jane Fonda. Few people really want to see Jane Fonda in a movie anymore. I have no need to see that. I don't need to see old ladies ogling Tom Brady. He may be the best quarterback, but he's not my quarterback. Brett Favre tried being in a in a movie that the, 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 uh, wasn't so good. <laughs> he was not a great actor. <laughs> Maybe Aaron Rodgers will do some acting when he finally concedes and retires. Anyway, uh, 
it's been a crazy 2023. I think we're all expecting that the forthcoming year is going to be especially challenging uh, if we get this Trump versus Biden race that looks like it's going to happen. Uh I think there's a real chance that a third-party candidate could do very well. There's a lot of people who don't want to vote for either one of these people. And as we started with this show, there's a lot of people that want to rip Trump off the ballot or at least put him in jail before the the actual general election takes place. They want him convicted of something. Maybe he won't go to jail because he gets to appeal. But everything that Jack Smith and these people are doing right now is energetically trying to make sure they can convict Trump of something before the voters vote. And yet these people present themselves as the guardians of democracy. If there's one line we want to keep hammering here at Newsbusters is our news media and their Democratic allies should not be able to go out there and say, we are the guardians of democracy, any more than they come around and say, we are the best fact checkers. Our line here is democracy starts with conservatives telling the liberal media that they stink. Sometimes they stink. Sometimes they look incredibly partisan. We're going to call them out. We're going to expose them. We're going to bring the video. We're going to bring the transcripts. That's what we do, and it's probably going to be a really crazy 2024. If you want to keep up with it on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis, you just know you got to come to Newsbusters. Once, twice, 24 times a day. Happy New Year.